Guys, before I start today's episode, I want to tell you about my upcoming Kickstarter project for my brand new product called the Tally Tumblr. Yes, I am finally launching my own product and it is going to be amazing because it is a 30 ounce stainless steel tumbler that has rotating rings on it that allows you to keep track of your score while you're playing games like golf tennis or your favorite backyard game so if you're interested links are in the show notes check out tallytumblr.com you can go there right now and pre-order before the kickstarter starts or you can wait till the kickstarter and just shoot me your email so i can give you guys an update on the exact date when the kickstarter will launch if i've given you any type of value I hope that you guys will support me with the awesome product and pre-order today so you can get your hands on the Tally Tumblr first. www.tallytumblr.com Play, sip, score. Never lose score again. Get on it. This is Toss Talk, where it's all about yard games, having fun, and what it takes to create social entertainment. With your host and creator, Kelvin, on Toss Tunes Radio. Hey, what is up, guys? And welcome back to another episode of Toss Talk. And today, we are playing can jam yes everybody knows what can jam is it is in one of the top five of yard games oh my gosh i get to speak with the creator of the game this is such an amazing story such a classic entrepreneurial story and i'm just honored that i get to share this with you guys because can jam if you do not know what that is, you know, you're throwing your frisbee with your partner, trying to slam it in a can for points. And fun fact, it actually was a, a metal can that it started with. Like, how cool is that? Like, crazy. Anyways, I'm excited to get into this. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different format than normal, but links are in the show notes. Check out Can Jam. Get yourself a set if you don't already have one. You cannot call yourself a backyard games entrepreneur or enthusiast if you don't have a set of Can Jam. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> Anyways, links are in the show notes. Check out Can Jam. And I hope you guys enjoy this chat because it's full of nuggets of business information and just everything inspiring to get your game off the ground just listen from the creator let's get into this Shiner speaking hey what's up it's kelvin hey kelvin good morning how are you good morning how are you i'm doing well yeah same here all is good all is good here in uh western new york i guess considering <laughs> being under lockdown I know you guys are got the got the strict rules up there too. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's you know Cuomo up there is out of control. But what are you going to do? You know, I it is you. it is what it is. So hey, we're trying. You know, everyone's trying to get by. You know, you catch up on a little extra yard work, a few things around the house, and yeah. you're good to go. 
So. <laughs> true, true. Um, yeah, well, I'm glad we finally got together here. Yes, thank you uh, for talking with me. Welcome to the show. This is a Toss My Talk. My pleasure. Yeah, yeah, all about absolutely. some yard games, and I'm a big uh, fan of Can Jam, so I'm I excited for that. this. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's let's get into it. So, okay, are you still in the business, or is it completely yeah. off your hands? Well, it, actually, the business is is totally. Um, it's sold off to East Point. However, I'm still on board as a consultant slash advisor. Okay. For uh, East Point, as it pertains to Canjam business, yeah, very cool. Well, let, let's go back a little bit to when you're sure. building up all the way to this point. Uh, how yeah. did you come up with Canjam and um, talk about the start of the business? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it started. It, it's kind of crazy. We had a uh, a small group of guys that actually, when we first started. Uh, we played with metal garbage cans, oh, wow. and and it was called, and we called it at the time, garbage can frisbee, is what <laughs> we coined it. That's a and horrible we, name. <laughs> we, yeah, I know, garbage can frisbee, right? So at that point in time, there were just the cans, no instant win slot, but we we play like random games here, there, yeah. wherever. You know, group of guys got together. So then what happened is one time people said, hey, let's um, let's get to everyone that's playing here. And there was like uh, maybe half a dozen of us around wow. and about. We said, hey, let's get everyone get to partner and we're going to start a yearly guys get together, kind of like a stack. So it started with like uh, six teams of two, basically. And okay. we have this uh, this annual uh, we started the first annual event where. You know, we got together, we played, had a few beers, had some food, and we had 12 guys, and we literally played all day long. Nice. So when we got done with that, we said, okay, everybody that played this year, next year, get another new partner. So we had 24 guys, and at the time, I was in a market, I was a marketing and sales manager for Dunlop Tire. Okay. Well, we literally had 24 guys playing all day long in, in there, you know, between 20 and 30 years old or what have you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, if people are playing this all day long, it's going to take some work and some refinements. But I think I'm going to put some solid rules together. I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to make it because you can't use metal garbage cans. Yeah. And what, what, what happened was that's when it started in the late 90s as far as officially going for a patent, um, getting a patent. And one of the things I had to do was I created an instant win slot. You know how you have the slot in the yeah, front? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So that's actually what got the patent, that instant win slot in the front of the goal. And with that, and had the patent, and then you just have to figure out, okay, how are you going to make it? And like I said, from a cost-effective way, we ended up going with the um, high-density polyethylene, the plastic. And then we were able to um, die-cut them and put the instant wind slot in there. And I want to say it took, uh, we did a lot of seeding the market. Uh, we, um, we got into schools because it met the requirements of a PE class. And that's kind of how it all started by getting it into the schools. They played it in gym class and then we went on from there and it became a big hit. 
And uh, it wasn't until really, though, about 2006, I want to say, that really started to take off after seeding many, many schools and going to many school events where they started to get in into their PE curriculum. But yeah, from metal garbage cans to the instant wind spot to the, uh, you know, uh, production and what have you, that's, that's it. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, that's very crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that is that's very cool, and um, that yeah, I didn't know that the instant win slot, you know, that's what got the patent. That that's like yeah. something cool to tell people. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And and the fact of the matter is, with the school, it met the requirements of a PE class. There's certain yeah. requirements: interactive, team play, had some counting involved, and all this other stuff going on. So we were very fortunate that it fit like a hand in the glove for that. PE section of the market. Yeah, that's uh, that's very crucial because you know you get get the children playing early. I mean, eventually, you know, they're probably going to grow up and keep playing it because it's like a familiar exactly. game. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. there's no doubt. And then they go home and tell, "Hey, we just yep. played a school game in PE class. Let's go find it. Let's see where we can, you know, yes. find it." What have you? Get the other kids playing in the neighborhood too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it worked out great. That is perfect. Um. So. Back when you were playing on the trash cans to the version that it is now, how many uh, yeah. iterations did it take? <laughs> to you I, I want, yeah, yeah. I want to say, well, I'll tell you what. After I had gotten the patent, probably took me uh, about a year and a half to two years to figure out the goals I was I wanted to use because okay. ultimately I wanted to be able to get something that was um, cost effective that you could, it's convenient. So there's a lot of things, um, portable, easy to carry, easy to set up, easy to take down, no moving parts. So it took about a year and a half to two years. And how I came about that, Calvin, was I happened to walk down my basement one day and I had done some uh, remodeling in a a bathroom. and And I said, I noticed some linoleum that was coiled up, and that's what you know how they say the light bulb goes on. Yeah, I go, yeah. oh my gosh! I said, that's it. I just need to find something that can coil up like this linoleum, be a bit bit more flexible, not have any memory, so it can lie flat or go bend into a shape and then just lie flat again, or keep it in that shape. Yeah. And that's how I came up with the goals. Believe it or not, it, from that point in time. We were on our way with the goals, and and once we had that, there wasn't any reiterations after that. There was just fine-tuning, making sure we had the right weight for the goals and the right height versus the weight of the disc that we were yeah, using, yeah. And, uh, and once all that combination got together, it was just fine-tuning to the proper uh, dimensions, the weights, and the distances that we would play it, and it worked out beautifully yes i mean it just looking at it it does look so simple but when you think yeah. about it you know you got to get those weights right and make sure it stands oh. up and make sure you can transport it a lot of things yeah. to consider um how did you tabs, actually you want the tabs yeah so, so yeah. the tabs make it nice and tight oh yeah, firm, yeah. So... Uh-huh. keep it upright oh. <laughs> yeah so okay. how did you Go actually ahead. come up with the instant wind slot like Okay. Yeah. (laughs) The story with instant wind slot is also a lot of reading and research, and I came across a number of articles with it games or sports. Okay, 
where they said one of the most, they interviewed, I want to say, 100,000 people or something. Maybe may not have the exact number, but they said one of the most important features of any game or sport is an instant win or comeback feature. And when I got my hands on that article and I started doing more research, it's true to form. That's what people love, that opportunity to come back and win something. And I also thought it would be great in playing the game, and particularly, you know, when you get kids playing in PE class and stuff like that, you always have a chance. And to keep people engaged in the game where there's a chance right up until the final score, the final shot to win, makes it exciting. Yes, it does. Yes. So that's that's how the instant win came about. Yeah. Nice. For sure. Putting in that extra work and uh, finding that out. Yeah. That, that's that's really good. I, I love that. That it, means you're really committed and you, yeah. you put you put everything into the game. So I, there, I really there, do like there's that. No, yeah, no doubt about that. Um, so when, or I'm not when, uh, where did you start getting them manufactured once you had everything put together? Okay, so that, that, that that's a great question. And what what I, I thought about then is I didn't want to be importing stuff, okay? Yeah. I had to find a way to make it in the U.S. And I started doing research in the area, and I looked at a number of plastics or sealing gasket companies and what have you, and where can I get the goals produced? How could they produce them? How does this work? And I, and I wanted to make it very scalable, Okay, so the more volume we do, my costs are reduced. There's very little shipping cost. Uh How can I fill? It's crazy. This how every time you're doing things, you got to figure out. Hey, if we're going to be successful in this, how do we have to get your biggest bang for the buck? You have to fill up a trailer. Okay, how much does a full trailer load hold? How much does a half trailer load hold from a transportation viewpoint? So basically. I did a lot of research with various companies in uh, the Western New York area, and um, that's how I came up with the goals and, and then just would go to people and say, hey, look, it, we think we have a hot product here. It's going to continue to grow. You've got to work with me a little bit now. I knew from my job in the tire business how to get terms on on, on your on your materials and what okay. have you. Like, hey, you know. Like, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so you get the right financing in place. You you get a little leniency there. And we, I, I always strongly believe that once you find your partners, you, tr- you continue to try to grow with the same people and reward them for, like, the, the benefits and the advantages they gave you early on. So, like, when it came to the goals, Corbell Plastics, who's a big company not only here in New York, but distribution centers all over the the U.S., we formed a great relationship with them, and pretty much they've been our our only goal supplier. A little bit, you might mix and match a little bit here and there, um, you know, as you're going along the way, if there could be a little bit of a, maybe a, a machine went down or something like that, you always need a backup source for yeah, something. So we yeah. always had backup sources and maybe give them a little bit of business. But Kerbel was our mainstay from the beginning, Kerbel Plastics right here in Western York. So nice. we were able to not only produce the stuff uh, cost effectively, but scale, make it scalable. So as we grew, 
both, you know, they'd get the extra business, we'd get the advantage of, of reduced costing. So it was a, a beautiful thing for us. Yes, that is awesome. Yeah, and, and, and we didn't have to worry about this freight going back and forth, whether it be Europe, Mexico, Asia. We controlled our supply chain, unlike the issues they have now with everything. Yeah, I mean, that supply chain is very crucial in your business. Oh, and yeah. People really don't understand exactly how difficult it can be to really keep it oh. up with it, keep up with your partners, make sure things are yes. on time, um, yeah. right inventory. It's, Just like you said, the machine can go down and you need a backup. Sure. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a very key part. It, it, and by the way, Calvin, that's what we did with our, 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 our Frisbees too. We're flying disc, as we had to call them because yeah. you couldn't use the Frisbee name. We called it a flying disc. And uh, same here, we bought our molds. We set up a shop right here in uh, western New York. And to this day, we still produce our own Frisbees right here. Nice. Oh, flying disc, excuse Fly, me. Flying disc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I got to tell you, I, there, a little side note to the flying yeah. disc Frisbee thing. It's interesting because as Can Jam grew and got really popular, and people are playing actually all over the world, quite frankly. Uh, it's interesting because even Whammo started calling their Frisbee like, or referring to it as a flying disc <laughs> versus a Frisbee as Kanjian's popularity grew. grew. Yeah. Now, you know what? Maybe that's not the full story and how it happened, but this. From our vantage point, we started noticing they're saying, hey, uh, flying disc over here because Can Jam was just like everywhere. Yes, yes. It it, it has so, been everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's definitely yeah. in like, I would say like the top five, like well-known games, like off the back. Even if people haven't oh, played yeah. it, they kind of know what it is or seen it. Yeah. So. it, it yeah. And, and once you do play it, it's kind of an, an addicting game, you know, and it's not like it's difficult. And if people are having problems at first too, the beauty part about the goals is they're portable. Yeah. If, if you can't play at 50 feet to start off, put them at 30, maybe 40, find a comfortable distance as you get better and better you get you can move them to the regular distance and then you know become proficient at it yes yes that's very true um, but we do make all our stuff in usa by the way everything is made in usa even on the uh fine disc on the in back of it if you notice if you were to flip a can jam disc over it says made in usa in big letters I so our stuff too. is yeah. all made right here it's, it's it's difficult to actually get things made in the USA, especially for a great cost and setting all that up. Like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what, and what that requires is finding the right partners to work with. And if you can find them, and like I said, you know, nobody gets too greedy about anything. Uh, it, it could be very beneficial and, and worked out, you know, make sure that your partners are comfortable in what they're making and, you're going to make what you make and the retailers get a good deal and the customers at the end of the day get a good deal. And when you can find all those relationships working together, it, it, it can be done. Yes, yes, it can. We're proof of that. <laughs> yes, very, very true. Um, so I probably should have done way more research, but when exactly did the business start to now? Like how long has it been? I want to say the business probably started around, it, I, I don't know if I have an exact date because we were doing so much about getting it into the market, but I want to say, you know, 
the patent was in the late 90s. The business probably actually started, I might say, uh, the at, at the time, I had a, a partner, Paul, and I think we called it Charles Paul Enterprise, and we might have started that around around 2001, okay? Okay, okay, yeah, it's been Yeah, we really weren't selling anything then, though. You know, it was more like, hey, it was a shingle we put up, and that that's what it was. And, you know, you, you, we sold a, a few hundred games here, a few hundred games there, but we were mostly focused on getting the games into the schools and getting the, 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 the name out there. And, um, we did that up until about 2006. What happened in 2006 is, is Paul decided, uh, he, you know, it was uh, more work than he thought it would be because he had a full time uh, job during the day and teaching and that it required, you know, you get out of work and okay, hit the yeah. phones for six, six, seven hours. Now again, well, when, when he got to that point, he says, look at, um, it, this, this is, um, not exactly what I was looking for. Um, he still believed in it. So I had another guy that was just very excited about getting into the business. Um, another local friend of mine that had the right background to pair with myself. And he, it was sold then my business, my part, my original partner sold his share to my partner and we were together till the end, uh, Mitch Rubin. And uh, yeah. Mitch then came in, took over, had some experience in, in the keychain business. So we had a lot of contacts out there and he knew a local um, uh, sporting goods shop, a mom and pa, they own maybe six stores, seven maybe in the area. And Paul and I had taken so much time to seed the market in Western New York he had a relationship, and he talked this one uh, family into bringing Can Jam into their uh, local chain here. Well, they did it reluctantly, and believe it or not, we started out like a dozen games in each store. They sold out in an hour. Wow. Then we gave them two dozen, sold out in a day. Then we gave them three dozen, four dozen per store. They were selling these things like hotcakes because... What happened is we were set up on the internet back then in uh -huh. you know, 2006 and even prior to that. But people, it, it's like they went there, but they they weren't going to maybe buy a Can Jam game. But when they saw it in a local sporting goods shop, they said, oh, there it is, Can Jam. We put it in school. Let's buy it. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. like they didn't go to the internet to look for it, even though we were pretty prominent on there. So after that, were the big breakup. So Mitch Rubin comes into the business in 2006. And to me, even though we kicked off in 2001, 2006 is when it really started, you okay. know, the last 13, 14 years. That's when it really kicked off because from there, what happened, I want to say it was 2007, I believe. I may be off a year or so, but um, Dix finally called and they called from corporate. They said, hey, we want your game because Dick's Sporting Goods, and there were three big stores in Western Europe, were sending all their customers to the Mon Pa to buy it because they didn't have it. <laughs> so the Mon Pa store is selling like 500 of these games, you know, probably getting 400 customers from Dick's a week. 
to buy Jam Jam. And so finally, Dick's called and they said, hey, we'd like to enter a relationship with you. So after a little back and forth, we brokered a deal together. And uh, Dick's has been a mainstay ever since. They've done a real nice job with it. But then from there, we started going in all the sporting goods chains. And then we evolved into the targets of the world, became huge on Amazon. And then went in the Walmart. <laughs> so it, from there, that little story, that's where it grew to, and that's where we are today with with everybody, everywhere. That is awesome. Yeah, and it, like you kind of came out at like the right time. So it's like that time yes. factor where it's like the internet was there, but it wasn't exactly as like people yes. are buying things the way they are now. And you just... Yes. Ca- caught onto the wave and kept going. That is, that's very cool. It's good to, it's good to well, hear that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, well, yeah, the other thing, Calvin is purely with Amazon. What was nice about that relationship is we actually started out like with our own storefront and then uh-huh. we go to the toy fair every year. And then an Amazon probably came in and said, Hey, look, you're one of our, our top sellers out there or one of the top, you know, sites that we see moving product. We'd like to go direct with you. And that was important. And, and Amazon says by going direct, there's an X factor that your sales, if you have the right product, will increase. And we said yes. They said yes. And sure enough, the equation was right. And so uh, Amazon, and to this day, still is a very, very solid partner of ours. That's and uh, it, it, it just has is, is worked out great. And it's kind of nice because how I was telling you about that early formula about making sure, you know, having the right costing and filling up the trailer load in bulk. Well, that's what we did with all these, all the big boxes and places we were working with, literally uh, shipping them, you know, trailer loads of, of, so there's no air, there's no wasted space. And then everybody benefits from that. So it, it worked out great. I am surprised everybody does not have a can jam set right now because yeah. you guys are everywhere. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's you know they're still doing pretty good. I know they're having a decent year this year, and uh, you know they're they're doing a really nice job out there. Uh, we we just have to you know keep up with the demand and keep things going. There was a little slowdown in Western New York because of the the manufacturing and stay at home. Uh, yeah, but we're, we're on our way now and yeah, doing uh, very, very nicely. So, um, why did you decide to sell? Well, at, at a, at a point in time, you know, when you start reaching you just 60 years old, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 me and my, my partner and I, we're, we're starting to say, you know what, this is great. It's got a lot of momentum, a lot of potential. And we brought in a, um, a, a CFO. His name was Greg uh, Turkovich, and we brought him in in the later years with the the, the later uh, latter years into CanJam, and he knew everything about it, and he was moving forward with a new company, so he wanted to stay around and and uh, p- potentially shepherd it to the next level. So we said, if we can get the right offer, Greg's on board to take it to the next level moving forward. Once again. It's a it's a win win for us. We we get what we we um, we're looking for right now. The uh, brand will continue to evolve and be a part of the American fabric or in fabric all over the world. Quite frankly, 
And um, we just thought it was just, just the right time and, you know, we can enjoy our lives then and kick okay. back and uh, what we don't continue to watch things uh, grow. And my other business partner decided to flat out just retire. And then I stayed on board, like I said, in my role as consultant slash advisor for a year or two just to keep the momentum going until it was like firmly entrenched in the new company. And they're doing a really great job today at East Point Sports. Nice, nice. Um, what would you say the most difficult part was about the acquisition? Like all the going back and forth and numbers and everything. What, what to you was well, the most difficult part? Yeah, I just think, you know, uh, finding the common ground on, on um, where, where everybody is happy with, with, with the outcome. You know, getting the meeting of the minds together is absolutely the most difficult part. And then just, you know, having the faith after that, that everything works out and moves forward accordingly. But I would say, yeah, just the meeting of the minds, that's the most difficult part to get everybody in the same thought process. Yes, I, I bet. And what kind of advice would you have for anybody else that has uh, started a game just like yourself and uh, they do get you know, to that point where they may be acquired? Um, what yeah, kind of advice would I, you yeah. give them? Well, I would say here's what they have to do. You really have to stay the course. You have to really uh, stay focused. And then, you know, make sure you just keep everything on track. You and, and listen to your gut. Listen to what your heart tells you. And at the same time, you know, you can't think that things are pie in the sky. You have to be realistic. So yeah. if you could be realistic, stay the course. And I tell most people, just don't give up. But there could be a point in time where something's not going to work out and you have to know, okay, what's plan B? So you need to have plan A, plan B, plan C, and then just execute accordingly, and uh, things usually work out. Nice, nice. That's it. That that's perfect. Because uh, there's a lot of people out there creating games, and it, it's difficult to get up to this level and uh, really make it go popular like your game has. Yeah, and I'll tell you the other thing, Calvin. Is along the way when I say you know the pie in the sky stuff. I think you have to, to, you also have to take it beyond family members. It's easy to have something around the house or in the backyard. And say, oh boy, that's great. That's fun. You, you should go and, and get your pet and go to market. And I got to tell you, I probably see maybe if I see one out of a hundred, uh, items that are brought to me that could really make it and maybe two at the most, that's a lot yeah. because it gets into the the cost effectiveness, the scalability, what appears to be the passion of people, and does it have this? I always say stick itiveness, where it's going to stick to people. They're they're going to find something that that just it's unique and nothing like no other has. And there are things out there, and that's why I tell people you know you can't give up, but you can't be crazy at the same time or 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 foolish with with your money i mean i always tell people that eh, that's you know you don't want to bankrupt yourself before something starts you you got to be you know cost effective you have to think it through um and you know do some things on your own but to always try to do it in a cost effective manner where you're you're not you know throwing your money away and then, you know, finding the right path, the right course, 
And uh, but it's tough to do. I gotta tell you, I would tell anybody, it is tough. Yes. And but but you know what? If you have something, you you can't give up on it. And this could taking it to to certain people. Now, I have people call me all the time. I don't, you know, not that I want to be doing this like uh, you know twenty four seven. But I, I I talk to them. I give them some advice. I try to push them in the right direction, just like we're talking about now. Yeah. And and I I just say, you know what, you know, look at doing something that's cost effective because there's many ways as you're going down that the, the path of a patent, you just don't want to run to a lawyer and end up spending ten grand on something that's kind of foolish. You can yep. do soft searches. There's many, many things you can take a look at where maybe you're just spending a few hundred or a thousand dollars moving forward instead of bankrupting yourself and putting yourself in debt. And that's what I always tell people. Just be very cautious of that and be very aware of that um, because, you, you know, you may have something that you're real passionate about, but then it becomes more of a, a hobby than a business and you don't want to put your life fortunes into a hobby. But but it can be done. I will say that it can be done and at can jam we're proof of that. And looking back now, what is one thing that you might have done differently when you initially started the business? Is there anything that like straight or sticks out to you? Well, well you know what? We only had uh, myself, uh, Mitch and Greg. We had three people in our company. And we, and a part of this cost effectiveness, and I'm telling you, we sourced everything locally. We find the right partners so we wouldn't have to take on a big expense of a warehouse, a factory, um, people, you know, extra (laughs) cost. So, you know, I I would say we did that pretty close to the vest. The, The only thing I would say that what we, we have done differently, you know, we were probably <clears throat> like we had in the in the beginning. We said we're just going to go maybe with sporting goods stores, and we were very close to the vest with that. We we had a plan. Let's you know, Can Jam is kind of we always called it kind of a sport. Uh-huh. They played it in gym class uh, versus more of a game. It was more of a we wanted to classify it as a sport. So for for many many years, we stayed out of the big box stores because we had always had uh, map pricing, minimal uh, advertised price, uh-huh. okay? And we could have maybe a little bit sooner have gone into um, the the big boxes. We tended to st- stay back from them because we wanted to focus on the sporting goods stores and kind of grow it that way, and Amazon, of course. Yeah. And uh and, and and I would say, yeah, we probably could have gone a little bit sooner into that arena. But notwithstanding that, I, I think all in all, we did a, a pretty good job with it. And um, we we also uh, did some custom branding branding for folks like the Pepsis of the world. And uh, we, we did some stuff with them and, and a few other companies where we'd make the product and put their logos on it, yeah. <clears throat> which was which worked out very well for them. So there's a big, big market and custom, um, uh, like, like, like that, that yeah. kind of work for, for various people. And we're, we're to go, you know, from orange juice to soups to, <laughs> yes. um, soft drinks, you, you know, you know that's the, yeah, exactly. 
so so that's a really nice market too. But yeah, we we felt really good about many many things. And gosh, we were selling games to Australia. We we're selling games into Japan. We have a small distribution center over in Europe. So we really did a nice job of branching out. But we could have jumped into that the big box maybe a, a little bit stronger a little bit sooner. Okay. Um, and I know you're still just consulting for the business, but what are they currently exciting, uh, excited about or anything big coming up for East Points, but for Can Jam in uh, general? Well, I, I, I'll tell you, I, they have many, many products that they bring, a lot of tabletop games and what have you. There's probably a ton of them they're really ex- excited about. And, and I, I see them, but I'm not involved with all the particulars of that uh-huh. side of the market. But East Point has done a fabulous job in creating value and uh, a lot of tabletop games or and outdoor games. I mean, that's all they do. They they live, breathe, and, and sleep it. <laughs> games, both indoors and outdoors all the time. But for Can Jam, we have a whole, you know, if you haven't seen the glow in the dark at night, we have the night version of Can Jam, nice, which is yes. absolutely spectacular. We're getting more into the glow balls. And, and glow stuff with Can Jam, and uh, we're we're really excited about uh, the the whole program moving forward and what we can do there. And and I'll tell you, when people see this night stuff, it's uh, unbelievable. You, oh my god! Yeah, I, yes. I, I'm not sure what they have online yet. In a review, I've seen it, but we we do different variations. You can have one color or multiple colors where the gold lines light, lights up. Nice. And we just use a different type of polymer to put into the um the, the plastic to make it work like that. That's very cool. I always say all games should be able to glow in the dark. That's a must. Absolutely, have. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I and I think they're working and they're they're moving in that direction. So it's going to be quite exciting and uh, to see what else they come up with next. That is awesome. I just have one more question from you. Sure. Uh, for you, gosh, I'm too excited that I'm actually talking to you. That uh, <laughs> this is awesome. I appreciate great, that. great stuff. I'm a big yeah. fan, fan of the game, and uh, this conversation has been awesome already. But uh, my sure. question is, uh, just as a yard game entrepreneur, what is your mantra or quote that you're living by that inspires you to get out and? get can jam sold when you're selling it. <laughs> I just, I just tell you, it is have passion. You have to have passion for whatever you do. And if you can have the passion in what you do and you take it and, and personify that to other people, I'll tell you, that's what it is. And passion to me drives success. So have the passion, go out, get what you need to get, do what you need to do and you'll be successful. I love that. Have passion. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, it has been a pleasure. I yes, learned, I've learned a lot and I'm excited to, you know, share this story and get it out to everybody in the yard game community. Terrific. Well, we love our Can Jam fans out there. So I appreciate the call from you and uh, happy to uh, spend a few moments with you today. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for you. I'll, I'll be in touch, and um, hopefully okay. I can speak again with you soon, okay? Absolutely, Calvin. Thank you so much, and you have a great week. You too. Okay, Bye. take care. Right on. Bye now. That was Charles, former owner of Can Jam. You heard it right. The inventor of Can Jam. 
Kanjam Hassel to East Point Sports. Um, he is just advising on the game for them there. Uh, it, it's a pleasure that I got the chance to speak with him. Everybody knows Can Jam, especially if you're in the yard game community, and it's huge to hear. You know, he went through some of the same struggles that a lot of you other entrepreneurs are going through in the yard game world. So, wow, that was cool. Links are in the show notes. Check out Can Jam if you haven't already. Get yourself a set. It is a staple in your backyard game arsenal of games. Ha <laughs> And as always, guys, I'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace.